Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, we're going to kick off a series of four Christmas-related uh, programs, uh, and we're going to start out today with an episode of New World A-Coming. Uh, New World A-Coming was a unique series in that it was actually uh, produced and uh, created uh, by uh, Black Americans. This was independently broadcast in New York City. And it was based on the book by Roy Otley of the same name. The series did a lot of different episodes. Some discussed public policy issues. Others were traditional radio dramas that focused on both the accomplishments as well as the challenges faced uh, by black Americans uh, during and prior to the Second World War. Let's go ahead and take a listen to today's episode, The First Noel, original air date, December 24th, 1944. Let's take a listen. Today, on its regular broadcast of New World A-Coming, WMCA, in cooperation with the Citywide Citizens Committee on Harlem, presents a Christmas program of holiday music featuring Muriel Smith and the Boys' Choir of St. Philip's Protestant Episcopal Church and statements from the leaders of the Negro community delivered by Dr. Channing Tobias, Lester Granger, Roy Wilkins, and the distinguished author and creator of these broadcasts, who has just returned from a roving assignment in the European theater of war, Roy Otley. To open our program, Muriel Smith, as guest soloist, joins the boys' choir of St. Philip's Church, in singing the traditional Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
On this day before Christmas, many vital subjects concerning the Negro people are being discussed not only here in America, but throughout the rest of the world. In our own country, there are nearly 13 million Negroes. In other parts of the world, colored peoples represent two-thirds of the Earth's total population. With a knowledge of these figures, one can easily understand why the subject of the Negro's place in the future peace of the world is of great importance. Dr. Channing Tobias, prominent member of the National Selective Service Advisory Board and one of the outstanding leaders of the Negro people, presents his statement on this subject. Dr. Tobias. Any plan for the future peace of the world that does not include racial equality as a major consideration is not only lacking in realism, but is destined to failure from the beginning. When Woodrow Wilson rejected the proposal for a racial equality clause in the covenant of the League of Nations, it was tantamount to saying that the victorious nations in World War I would continue to hold unbroken the ring of white dominance that then encircled the darker peoples of the world. World War II is in part the result of that decision. The question now is, will the victorious nations in this war heed the lesson of history, or must we have another war? There can be no middle ground. Pearl Buck, whose background gives her the right to speak, states the situation thus. I quote, We must realize, we citizens of the United States, and this whether Britain realizes it or not, that a world based on former principles of empire and imperial behavior is now impossible. It cannot exist. We must make clear our determination for real democracy, for all peoples, with mutual responsibility demanded of all to fulfill its conditions. The deep patience of colored peoples is at an end. Everywhere among them there is the same resolve for freedom and equality that white Americans and British have. But it is a grimmer resolve, for it includes the determination to be rid of white rule and exploitation and white race prejudice, and nothing will weaken this will. End of the quotation. Therefore, as we look ahead toward what we call the post-war world, and Negro Americans insist that lynching, segregation, discrimination in the armed forces, and all the other racially double-standard practices that flourish in America today be done away with, they are not entering a group self-interest plea for charity or special privilege. They are simply insisting that America live up to the high principles that motivated the founders. For they realize, as all America must come to realize, that there can be no new world for any part of the nation until America, in an all-embracing sense, becomes what has been expressed in the oath of allegiance to the flag, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
One of the most progressive developments in our history has been attained through the recent organization of Negroes into the trade union movement throughout America. Here is Lester Granger, executive secretary of the National Urban League, discussing the Negro worker in the labor movement today and his role in the war period ahead. Mr. Granger. These radio programs, New World are Coming, have hammered week after week on the theme that here in New York City, as in every other large city throughout the country, thousands and tens of thousands of citizens deeply rooted in this country by birth, aspirations, and contributions are denied access to full living and to normal self-expression because of artificial barriers erected against their progress by small-minded and short-sighted community leadership. The time has long since passed for word-by-word exposition of the enormity of the social crime perpetrated against these Negro citizens and also against the larger community of which they are a part. The very fact that we are engaged in a war whose bitterness is without parallel, the very fact that men and women of the white and Negro race are dying and fighting overseas in support of the principle of equality of opportunity, this very fact should make it unnecessary at this late stage in the war's history to argue painfully on the justice of demand that racial discrimination and separation be wiped out of American life once and for all. What this means to the Negro wage-earning community in its awakened efforts to advance its own security on a level with that of other sections of the working population is one of the major questions affecting the whole future course of American democracy. The complete integration of black labor into the maximum productive capacities of American industry is a problem which must be courageously faced, and it presents new frontiers to be explored and settled by the vigorous movement of American industrial labor. Today, more than 500,000 Negroes, a half million, are estimated to be members of labor organizations. Ten years ago, Negro membership was 80,000. This great increase in organizational activity is due primarily to the extensive campaigns of organized labor. Today, aggressive unionism becomes the major force for the extension of the rights and progress for the Negro race. It's the only segment of our society where Negroes and whites have been able to work together in common purpose. It has also become the political force through which civil rights acts may be enforced in states where they exist and efforts made to break down Jim Crow in states where it has a legal foundation.
Boys' Choir of St. Philip's Protestant Episcopal Church again joins with our guest soloist, Muriel Smith, in two songs befitting the holiday season. It came upon a midnight clear and sweet little Jesus.
on this holiday program of New World A-Coming is the acting secretary of one of the most dynamic organizations in American life, Roy Wilkins of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. As one of the leaders of the Negro community and editor of the magazine The Crisis, Mr. Wilkins is best qualified to discuss the immediate objectives of the Negro people in the new year ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Roy Wilkins. One of the main objectives of the American Negro in the new year and in the new world are coming is certainly the elimination of separation, inequality, and humiliation based on skin color in the armed forces of the nation. It is natural that Negroes should be thinking more and more of this as the year draws to a close, for it has been the third year of a world war. It has been a year of offensives and invasions by our troops, and it has been a year marked by two mass trials of colored men in uniform, one by the Army and one by the Navy. These two trials, added to the hundreds of instances of mistreatment reported from camps in this country, added to the stories that have found their way back from both the Pacific and European theaters of war, have driven Negro citizens to the conclusion that if this democracy of ours is to have an effective army, not alone in terms of a fighting machine, but in terms of the prestige necessary to reshape the world of the future. We must have a democratic army. This means an army where every American can serve alongside every other American without artificial separation based on color or race. It has been said over and over again that Negroes have fought in every war, beginning with the revolution. This bears repeating and repeating again for it demonstrates more clearly than any thesis that in its dark minority, America has a group willing to die for its homeland, willing even in the face of treatment that in other groups has spawned traitors and saboteurs. In the near future, then, uh, we must have not a white army and a black army, but an American army where each man can serve and if need be die with self-respect, love, and honor. Thank you, Mr. Wilkins. And now, we are proud and honored to introduce our next speaker, 
the distinguished author, war correspondent, and creator of these New World Coming broadcasts, who has just returned from an assignment from overseas. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Roy Otley. Thank you. I returned to America last Thursday. I have seen more than six months of war overseas. I've seen our soldiers, white and Negro, fighting this war. I have traveled on boat, on jeep, on plane, across the English Channel, through the Mediterranean, and over the roaring battlefront. I have talked to Englishmen, Frenchmen, Belgians, Italians, and Africans. And the opinion over there is this. This is a tough war. This war isn't won yet. Victory can be delayed for a long time. If any one of us here at home slackens down on this war job. I tell you this from my first-hand experience. It's as plain as the day and the night that follows. But the war can be shortened. Right now. If the people here at home stay on the job. That is the biggest story that I can bring back from Europe. One more thing. Fascism in Europe is going to go. The people of Europe have been affected, who have been affected by the cruelty and barbarism of the Germans, will see to it that the roots of fascism are torn out forever. There are no dissenting opinions on that subject. As for our own boys who are fighting this war, let no one tell you that they do not know what they are fighting for. Christmas tomorrow sums it up for them in a few words. Peace on earth. Goodwill to man. Peace over the whole earth. And goodwill to all men. Christians, Jews, Americans, Scandinavians, Italians, Africans, and white and black.
You have been listening to a special holiday program of New World Coming, with statements by the leaders of the Negro community, Dr. Channing Tobias, Lester Granger, Roy Wilkins, and songs by guest soloist Muriel Smith, with the Boys' Choir of St. Philip's Protestant Episcopal Church, Walter Witherspoon Choir Director. Roy Otley, who has just returned from a roving assignment overseas, brought you a word picture of the biggest story in the European theater of war, an appeal for Americans to stay on the job and produce the war supplies so necessary to win. New World A-Coming was directed and produced by Mitchell Grayson. On behalf of Station WMCA and the Citywide Citizens Committee on Harlem, this is George Willard saying good afternoon and wishing our listeners a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year of 1945. This is America's leading independent station. Welcome back. Well, an unusual program. Uh, I think most radio episodes will choose either to uh, discuss uh, political issues or to discuss Christmas. It's rare to have one that uh, kind of goes back and forth between uh, both of them, but it does reflect the overall outlook of the episode, and it also reflects the times. Uh, 1944 was a very political time for uh, America, and so that some of these issues uh, would be discussed is hardly surprising. But it definitely uh, does provide uh, some real insights into how people were thinking back then. At any rate, that does actually do it for today. Join us back here on Friday as we continue our uh, Christmas series then. If you do have a comment now, send it to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>